You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Targeted individuals, electronic harassment, mind control, For the full two hours, Derek Robinson will be with me. He is the executive director of a human rights organization called People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance, or PACTS uh, for short, PACTS International. And Derek has been active uh, since 2005, addressing the issues of organized stalking and remote electronic assaults. And he is standing by. And I am coming to you live from my little studio beneath the stairs. Uh, Ian Robertson is behind the big audio board back in Liberty Village. Elbert is involved in some top secret excavation in the New Mexico desert near Roswell. And of course, Ryan is running our live stream from his lair. Uh, Yes, we are streaming live on YouTube uh, tonight, the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Please help us get to 16,000 subs. Just hit that red uh, sub button. Uh, YouTube may have demonetized us, but we still have our pride. Now, I'm not sure if um, you can pick this up on the webcam. Uh, My son, North, who is a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. He's read all the books, including the play, I don't know, two, three times each. And he sent away on Amazon recently. And he bought me this shirt which he insisted that I wear. Can you see that? I don't know uh, if we can get that on the webcam. Anyway, there it is. And um, the idea is he bought this on Amazon for me because dad, he says, Harry Potter had to sleep under the stairs at his mean uncle and aunt's house. And since I'm in my studio beneath the stairs, uh, he thought this was uh, fitting. So if you can see it, it's the Marauders map from Harry Potter. Can you see that? Now, North told me to say this. I hope I get this right. Otherwise, he may strangle me in my sleep. But the Marauder's Map is this magical document uh, that reveals all of the uh, all of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft, Witchcraft and Wizardry. And not only does it show every classroom, every hallway, every corner of the castle, but it also shows every inch of the grounds, as well as all the secret passages that are hidden within its walls and the location of every person on the grounds, which is portrayed by a dot. And it's also capable of accurately identifying each person. It's not fooled by polyjuice potions and invisibility cloaks. 
and even the Hogwarts ghosts are not exempt from this. The Marauders map, the T-shirts. So thank you very much, North. All right. Uh, now on to uh, more serious matters. Uh, my introduction to electronic harassment, targeted individuals, uh, came from a, a loyal listener of mine way back in my early days in broadcasting, Eleanor White, uh, who is a long-time targeted individual, and she told me most of what I know about uh, electronic harassment, torture, surveillance. She's also a longtime advocate uh, for fellow targeted individuals. And then my uh, my next introduction happened during the taping of my old television show, The Conspiracy Show, which aired across Canada for four seasons on Vision TV. And I think it was season one. We produced an episode on electronic harassment, and we flew this gentleman up to Toronto from his home in Cincinnati, Derek Robinson. And I was I was struck by uh, his sincerity and his kindness, despite uh, his decades of anguish and, and suffering. And, uh, and, and since I met Eleanor and, and Derek, I've been in contact with probably close to 100 uh, people who believe they're being targeted for electronic torture, harassment, surveillance. And we're hoping to hear from some of you tonight when we open up the phone lines in the second hour. But right now, let's get Derek Robinson in here, Executive Director of PACTS, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. Derek, how are you? Hi. Uh, great, Richard. Thanks for uh, very much for being here. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's been a long time. How have you been? I guess it's probably been, what, maybe close to 10 years since you and I sat down and talked for the TV show, 2010, somewhere around there. How have you been? Right. right. It's, yeah, it's been about 10 years. And uh, things are well, and things are improving uh, in the community inside. Um since we've talked, uh, there's there's a lot more activity. Uh, there's a lot more exposure to the issues, uh, particularly since the um, uh, the news story about the diplomats in Cuba and China. Yes, whose symptoms uh, were microwaves. Are microwave symptoms very close to our own? So we're watching closely that development. That was very very important story. And and for you personally, because you are a, a long-time targeted individual, this has been going on with you for decades. How how, how is how are you personally doing? Um, personally, I'm doing um, pretty well. Uh, the first, I would say, the first twenty years were were really the struggle because I was alone and trying to deal with um, with this, this huge conspiracy. Uh, this whisper campaign that was brought upon me by the Department of Defense, uh, the U.S. Navy that I had joined, and it kind of had turned uh, it turned on me. So um, for about 20 years, I kind of dealt with it and uh, thought that I was the only person being victimized by the U.S. government. However, um, after the internet came along, uh, I, I discovered that there was a there was a community of other individuals who are also being victimized and uh, some are in very horrific ways. Uh, so there's a lot of suffering in this community and uh, a lot of similarities to my own suffering, but, but then some are going way far beyond what I'm experiencing. So 
we're all being victimized at some level, and it's it's uh, horrendous interference in our lives, and we're trying to find solutions for that. I would say that the vast majority of people that I've been in contact with who believe they are being targeted really have no idea why them. Uh, but you're a little different. I mentioned Eleanor White. She also comes from, I believe she was with the the, Ar- uh, the Army Corps of Engineers. Right. Uh, and an so engineer. she, and, uh, right. right. So she believes that there's some connection there. So y- you believe it has something to do with your service in the Navy. Is that correct? Well, in my case, it was directly, um, it was directly due to my uh, service in the U.S. Navy. Uh, so all the uh, organized stalking and harassment started with me the last year of my enlistment uh, while stationed at uh, the National Security Agency in Fort Meade. So uh, during that year, it was, it was kind of a hassle uh, with um, uh, all the harassment going on and everything. And I was hoping that when I uh, my enlistment was up and I returned home, then everything would be good again. And of course, I discovered after a couple of days of being at home um, in uh, in Cincinnati that um, all of the uh, the uh, the stalking um, had followed me there. So, um, so for the next uh, twenty years, I just kind of had to deal with it on my own there. So, it was uh, it was rough, I would say, uh, psychologically. And economically, it was it was rough, uh, but I managed to survive until I found the community, and then everything just instantly changed uh, from my perspective. Just tell me a little bit about those early days when you were being targeted. First of all, were they targeting you because of something you had seen, something that you know, or was it simply you were a guinea pig? Well, in my case, it was... It was persecution, and it had to do with uh, sexual orientation. I believe that they suspected I was gay in the Navy, and uh, they began to stalk and harass me because of that. So it was, you know, every um, every minute of my my day was surveilled, um, and uh, which complicated my interactions with other people because. They were also spreading all kinds of rumors and, and tales among uh, my uh, fellow servicemen. So that kind of made things uh, difficult, and I became sort of like a pariah in the community. Uh, it was it was kind of rough, and um, I was hoping that by the time my enlistment rolled around a year later, that perhaps that would wind up. But uh, they were basically just getting started. And that's been, what, 30 years ago now. That, that was 1983, no, I'm sorry, on November of 82 when I left the service. And, uh, so nearly 40 years. That's th- uh, going on 37 years, so four um, decades. Yeah. Now, if, once you retired from the Navy, why would they continue to harass you? Well, I couldn't understand that either, uh, Richard. You know, I thought, you know, when I first discovered they had followed me home, I thought, well, maybe about six months and all this will wind up. 
but uh, they intended, you know, they kind of let me know that they were there for the duration. Um, and I believe they intend to, I'm 65 years old now, and I was, I was 28 when this started. So they, so they intend to, uh, this campaign, they intend to have this campaign continue for the rest of my life. Um, I believe that there, there'll be some type of intervention. I believe that so much is coming to the surface lately that in some way this will be discovered and all of this harassment will be stopped. So um, I believe that that is coming, um, I would say, within the next couple of years because of so many developments that have happened. And it's because of the community, because we have banded together and have uh, promoted our cause in so many areas and uh, in so many ways it's coming to light and that is starting to pay off. I'm, I'm guessing the technology has, has changed dramatically. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. In, in the last three and a half decades, uh, we're not talking about crude microwave weapons. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, illustrations where you can turn a microwave oven into a into a microwave weapon. You just take the door off and and uh, you can sort of point it in a certain direction and so forth. But back in the early eighties, you you mentioned that you were being surveilled. Are we talking about like remote neural monitoring, or was it something more crude back then? Well, it started uh, with basically the stalking harassment. And then it uh, gradually uh, went to things like, um, uh, well, they were able to access my thoughts at one point. And that was kind of uh, traumatizing at first when I realized that that had happened. Um, and, uh, and then it went to things like the voices. I could hear them talking to me. And... Uh, and other things like ringing in my ears. And the technology is such that if you can hear their voices, which means they have access to certain areas of your brain, um, and which meant that they could also see through my eyes, they had access to my visual cortex, uh, my auditory cortex, um, they could uh, speak to me and I would, I would hear them, they would hear my thoughts. Um, all of our five senses, they were able to access because of their, uh, the technology had access to certain areas of my brain that govern those, uh, those activities. So all my, all my five senses, uh, they could pick up on whatever I could, whatever I see that they, I, whatever I saw, they saw, whatever I could hear, they heard. And all of my thoughts were also audible to them. Uh, even my feelings, they could even feel what I was feeling. So it was, I was totally, completely compromised in that way. Well, I, I, I know they've had voice-to-skull technology since the early 70s, and you can see the patents online. Clearly, there, that technology exists. Uh, but I didn't realize that they had remote neural monitoring that far back. We're talking nearly 40 years ago. When you when you discovered realized that they could read your thoughts, how did how did that come about? How did you know that they could read your thoughts? 
Okay, well, actually, what happened, uh, I discovered it, uh, I was on a, I was a delivery driver, and uh, I was out on the road, I was working for a flower shop, and I was thinking something about my boss that was not necessarily uh, complimentary, um, and then um, when I got back to the office after delivering flowers, I noticed that people were acting, their body language was, was different. They were acting a little bit standoffish. And I happened to look over at the boss, and he had this sheepish grin on his face. And then I heard from one of the coworkers the exact words I was thinking out there. And I was, it was then that I realized, oh, my God, they have uh, uh, invaded the last bastion of privacy that I have. So that was the moment that I realized that uh, they had uh, had accessed uh, my thoughts. What uh, happened? Were you fired as a result of that? I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uh, actually fired. Uh, it made things a little awkward at work for a while, um, but I was able to maintain my relationship with them uh, cordially until they did let me go finally. And had to do with uh, it probably had to do with the harassment. They had some excuse for letting me go. It was maybe a couple of months later that that, that finally did happen. And actually, and, there was there was a patent. Now this was back in 1980. That's about 1986 when this occurred. But actually, there was a patent um, that was um, that was the basis for this technology that was patented back in April of, two, of, of 1976. And this was an apparatus and method for remotely monitoring and altering brain waves. And it was a patent uh, by Robert Malik. And uh, this was, uh, according to Robert Duncan, who was one of the scientists in our community, this is really the patent that was the basis for remote neuromonitoring and a lot of the technology, the invasive technology that we are experiencing in our community. Has it been difficult for you to hold down a steady job? Um, it was when I was in the workplace uh, from 19, from the early 80s until I left the workplace in 2009. It was extremely difficult because every day was some new challenge from my bosses. Uh, rules would, would materialize out of thin air, so I'd have to constantly adjust my, uh, my work activities to what uh, was being handed down from my bosses who were being um, instructed by, these, uh, by the harassers, by the stalkers. So in uh, other words, your, your colleagues, your employers, uh, were were part of this organized stalking. In other words, they were brought in, they were brought on board uh, to to just further your torment and your your anguish. How are how are they brought on board? Are they paid? Well, you know, they were probably, um, from what I could tell, they were kind of um, uh, brought in as co-conspirators. I guess you could say. Um, they went along with the program that was laid out for me by these uh, by these stalkers, by the government stalkers. Uh, 
wherever I, I end up working, they approach the bosses, the supervisors, and say, well, this, this, and this is what we want you to do, and people cooperate. And so uh, whatever they have to make my day more difficult uh, from the stalkers, the bosses seem to cooperate uh, rather smoothly. And, uh, and, and in most instances, I was able to, you know, to do whatever they were asking, uh, no matter how, you know, increasingly difficult the tasks were, um, I did manage to survive as long as I needed to. And, and when you were discharged from the Navy, I mean, did they try and fool around with your, your pension? I'm assuming you received a pension? No, um, I was only in for seven years, so I uh, was not eligible for a pension. Ah. And what about family? Uh, siblings, um, parents, did they attempt to sort of separate you from your family, pit your family members against you? Yeah, I feel that at certain times um, they they do try to co-opt family members uh, to do things, to say things, to make, you know, relations more difficult. Um, but I'm able to navigate my family relationships pretty well, and um, we're, we're a good family, a cordial family, and it's, it's been fine. Excellent. That's good news. Listen, Derek, we're going to take a time out. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk uh, in a little bit more detail about your organization, PACS, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. Derek Robinson, the executive director, and we'll also have some, uh, some tips as well for fellow targeted individuals. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Back with more. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Derek Robinson is here, the executive director of PACS, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. And we uh, we heard those uh, phone numbers coming back. We will take your calls at the top of the next hour in hour two. Uh, with Derek, questions and comments, and we hope to hear from some targeted individuals. Um, what are some of the other symptoms if people are sitting here listening and thinking, wow, you know, could I be a targeted individual? Uh, you mentioned voice to skull, but everybody, not everyone is the same. They target people in different ways. What are some of the other um, hints or, or um, symptoms that you might be targeted, Derek? Okay. Um, the voices is one of the... Um electronic harassment uh, modalities. Um, And for those that um, experience severe electronic harassment, there are things like burning on their skin, um, their their eyes, uh, sometimes um, uh, their vision gets blurry. Uh, There is is, uh, 
memory loss, there are headaches, um, there is forced speech. People are forced to say words that they don't mean to say. Uh, there are nosebleeds, uh, breathing difficulties, uh, even even heart uh, arrhythmias or heart attacks. Um, they're able to induce really serious, you know, physical conditions. Um, uh, muscle cramps are also a very common symptom, as well as um, uh, joint joint pains. Uh, there's a lot of ways that they can remotely influence uh, a person physically. Um, so, to some extreme uh, extent, in, in some cases, um, there are people that are hospitalized every year with very serious conditions and in very rare cases, but a few, um, in a few instances, people do pass away. We had a rash of people last year at the beginning of 2018 who uh, were passed, who passed away due to their um, severe attacks. Um, so it, it does happen. It is rare, but some people do uh, succumb to their injuries. So this is a very, these are very serious assaults that happen to those that are really afflicted with electronic harassment. So it's really important that we bring this to the public's attention. What about the use of of um, implants in order to, for example, uh, take over so that they can see through your eyes, so they see what you're seeing? How is that accomplished? Well, I guess there's a, a variety of ways that that can happen, and there's uh, various uh, theories about um, how that occurs, whether it's um, by implants. Uh, nowadays, they don't really have to use implants, but we do find that some people are implanted. Um, there are also nanotechnologies that are found in some people. And uh, during the days when Melinda Kidder, who was a um, detective in Missouri, uh, she was doing a lot of scanning uh, sessions for those in our community. And she would discover these nanotechnologies that were riddled throughout people's bodies. Uh, she has since discontinued her service because of um, hassle and harassment that she was receiving from um, these, these shadowy types, I guess, their government. Uh, we presume that they're government uh, for the most part. Um, so she discontinued her service, but, uh, but she was able to detect uh, implants and also the nanotechnologies that affect our physical bodies. And how about for you personally, Derek? Do you have implants? Uh, well, actually, uh, Richard, I was uh, scanned back in 2011. Uh, there was a guy named Jesse Beltran who was uh, crisscrossing the country uh, my, uh, scanning people for microchips. And this was during a time where we were just kind of learning the ropes in terms of the equipment to use and so forth. And uh, at that time, it was free because all of this was kind of experimental on our part. So um, in my case, I was scanned and found to have like um, about six or seven microchips, uh, one in my jaw and in my forearm, 
uh, the back of my neck, and uh, some other places I can't recall right now, but there are several, several places that were found to be emitting frequencies. And uh, what was interesting was that he noted that the frequencies that, that he was picking up were military frequencies. So myself and one other person in the room at that time, we were both emitting, uh, we were the only ones emitting military frequencies. So in my case, that was entirely you know, appropriate. And at what point in your life do you imagine they were able to implant these nano nano chips under your skin? Did you have elective surgery? Was it during a trip to the dentist? Do you do you have any idea? Well, um, I thought about that myself. You know, when I could have been implanted, uh, and it could have been a dental dental visit, um, and that happened just before I left the service. Um, one of the things they do besides the physical is a visit to the dentist. And it could have happened there. Uh, it could have been implanted or something. So um, possibly, possibly at that time, but I don't know specifically if uh, I haven't had other operations or beyond that. So I'm not sure when exactly it could have happened. Tell me more about forced speech. Does this affect you? Do you find yourself blurting out inappropriate things at inopportune times? You know, I've heard of that happening, but in my case, um, they're, they're sometimes able to um, um, mess around with my speech, and sometimes I'm not as clear as I want to be. Uh, but as far as forcing me to say words that I don't mean to say, that has not happened to me. And what about heart arrhythmia for you? There have been actually a couple of attempts uh, that I feel were attempts to give me a heart attack. And uh, fortunately, it didn't get to that point, but... Um, I, I could feel that they were trying to induce something like that. And this is something they're, they're entirely uh, capable of inducing. And it just happens several times a year to people, you know, having heart attacks and really severe. I do know someone, a friend of mine, that um, is now suffering from an induced stroke. Uh, she was basically attacked. Um, she saw this car. She was walking out of, of work, and she saw this car that was kind of uh, going by, and then she suddenly felt some type of energy over overtake her body, and she fell to the ground, and uh, she was rushed to the hospital, and um, she had had uh, some type of induced stroke. So they do have these, these portable... Uh, devices that can induce a range of really horrendous physical symptoms. So this is a really serious situation for a lot of people. I'm, I'm guessing then if they wanted to kill someone remotely with a heart attack or a stroke, they could do that. Are they at that point? Yes, and it, and it happens sometimes. Um 
I'm trying to think of a specific incident where that happened, like instantaneously. But um, in most cases, it's um, it's over a period of time that people, you know, survive attack after attack, and it just kind of wears their body down to a point where they the body just gives out. And a few people pass away each year uh, because of a, this slow kill effect. So, and how about now that you've become a spokesperson? Here you are, your executive director for PACTS, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. You speak on the radio, you speak on television, at public events. Has that, because you're now raising awareness, has that caused them to intensify their attacks against you? Um, at times. Um when I did the coast-to-coast interview, yeah, there were reprisals afterwards, and I, I lost family members. Um, it's, um, I've not been on coast-to-coast since that, that time, but um, there hasn't been, I mean, coast-to-coast has such a huge following. Right. Uh, Listen, I've got to, uh, sorry, the music's coming on here. We've got to take a quick time out. We'll follow up on that point when we come back. Derek Robinson, Executive Director of PAX International, back with more on electronic harassment and torture when The Conspiracy Show returns. My name is Richard Serrett. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Derek Robinson stays with us for the full two hours as we continue to delve into electronic torture and harassment, electronic surveillance, a remote neural monitoring, voice-to-skull technology. He is the executive director of a support group for targeted individuals, a growing community. Uh, as more people are waking up to this uh, horrible, horrible uh, targeting, and it's PACS International, People Against Covert Torture uh, and Surveillance. And um, we were in the middle of talking about how or whether you're being targeted more since you've become sort of a a public figure in this regard. And you said that when you do coast to coast, obviously a huge platform, what happens after you do coast, for example, will the, the voice to skull sort of ramp up or how, how else are they targeting you? Um, sometimes they make threats, um, before I would do something like in a major market like coast to coast. Um, but I don't do those very often, so that really is not an issue so much. So tell me about PACTS. Uh, how did it form? When did it form? How many members, etc.? Okay. Uh, well, we formed in, officially in January of 2016. Um, we, have, we currently have about, about 2,000 that are on my email list that I correspond with uh, on a regular basis. 
um, basically our mission is to the targeted individual community to help those who are being affected by electronic harassment and organized stalking. And we have basically become a haven for those who um, are experiencing the stalking and harassment and have nowhere else to turn, uh, who are victimized by microwave weapons and uh, directed energy weapons, as well as the, uh, the organized stalking. We have a number of professionals even in our community. We have doctors, attorneys, engineers, scientists, psychologists, authors. Uh, we deal with city council officials. And we even uh, deal, uh, well, lately I've been in correspondence with uh, someone from the House Judiciary Committee. So even um, those in Congress, and I hear that there are some Congress members that are also targeted. Um, we have a conference calls. Uh, our organization has um, calls on Saturday night and uh, Monday night. This is our uh, podcast. And let's see. Basically, our mission is is threefold. Um, it is uh, networking and support for victim survivors, um, advocacy of our issues to elected officials, and outreach to the media and the general public. Those are our three uh, areas that we focus on. Um, I would say that we have made lots of progress since we first started out in 2005. It's been increasing uh, year by year. And uh, it seems like the last couple of years, the, uh, the progress has made a market. Uh, we've made some tremendous progress in the past couple of years, uh, particularly since um, the news story happened uh, as I mentioned earlier, about the diplomats in Cuba and China, that has really um, um, exponentially increased our um, uh, our issues and brought them basically front and center to the American public. Uh, they are basically uh, the news, the mainstream news is basically starting to to speak energy, directed energy weapons or microwave weapons, if uh, if we had sent those to the public, sent those terms to the public a couple of years ago, uh, they would not have been understood, uh, nor would they have been believed. But now we are hearing these terms uh, from hospital personnel, doctors, uh, uh, scientists, and so forth, who are actually uh, concluding that these diplomats were attacked with directed energy weapons or microwave weapons. So that is basically paving the way for um, for us to be taken seriously in terms of being victimized by these weapons. So as this story continues to develop in the news, I think that at some point our issues will be grafted in, and I think that would dynamically change the paradigm of our targeting. Have any, and these were uh, embassy staff, from Canada, even Canada, the United States, in in Cuba, uh, and China, I believe as well. Have any have any family members, anyone uh, involved in those embassies, have they and that have been affected by this? Have any of those people reached out to you? 
They have not, uh, basically, and it may have to do with the fact that they are under a gag order not to, not to talk to the press at this time. So we haven't heard from them, although uh, at some point we may. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, in the meantime, we have uh, made contact with uh, the, one of the doctors uh, at the University of Miami. Uh, Derek, just hold on to that point. Excuse the interruption. We'll pick up, pick up on that point uh, when we come back. Derek Robinson, Executive Director of PAX International, targeted individuals on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Uh, Derek Robinson stays with us. Targeted individuals. And uh, just before the break, I interrupted you. We were talking about whether or not uh, embassy staff that have been affected by uh, what appears to be uh, microwave uh, weaponry in in Cuba, whether any of them have reached out to you. And you were about to t- tell me about a, a doctor in Miami. Do we have Derek? Are you there, Derek? Oh, sorry about that. Um, no worries. The uh, the doctor in Miami that examined the um, diplomats, his name is Dr. Michael Hoffer, I believe his name is, um, he recently did a uh, news conference with some of his colleagues and uh, uh, explaining uh, what exactly they, they did when uh, they came to see him, the diplomats came to see him. And he began to use terms like directed energy weapons or microwave weapons. They were openly using those terms that we use all the time in the community. Um, and this is to the mainstream press. So um, it seemed, and he also mentioned that he had been getting calls from all over the world from people who had uh, been suffering similarly. So um, several members of our community contacted him and were well-received by his office and have appointments to, to see him uh, late this month and early next month. So we'll see what happens with that, uh, with those contacts uh, with his office and see, you know, how he, you know, plans to deal with targeted individuals that might come to visit him. So this could be very significant for our cause. So this is uh, really a, a very important avenue that could promote um, our issues, especially if we get acceptance by the medical community, because um, our relationship with the medical community up to this time has been very adversarial for some reason, and uh, they have basically uh, labeled many in our community as delusional. So many... Uh, a uh, certain percentage of our community have that label. Uh, but because of these events that have happened, all that could change uh, with the medical community uh, realizing and accepting the technologies that can affect a person remotely and uh, 
that taking taking into consideration, um, we could now um, speak to police. We could talk to hospital uh, personnel uh, potentially uh, about microwave weapons, and uh, will we believe? So a, a lot is really at stake at this particular moment. What was happening with the embassy staff? Uh, what sort of symptoms, for those not familiar with the story, th- th- how were they being affected in uh, the embassy in Havana? Um, well, a lot of the symptoms that they were experiencing kind of mirrored uh, the things that we, our, many in our community are experiencing. Uh, the headache, the uh, loss of balance, uh, the memory loss, uh, cognitive issues, um, nosebleeds. Um, and I think there was something about heart arrhythmias. I'm not sure about that, but, um, a list of symptoms that kind of matched, um, the things that we are experiencing, um, sleep deprivation is very common in our community. I think that was one of the things they were also experiencing as well as, uh, certain sounds, um, you know, that they were hearing. Uh, many in our communities experience that as well. So a lot of things paralleled um, with diplomats are were experiencing and still are some are still still experiencing those uh, symptoms. They parallel the things that we are also experiencing. So we're going to see if um, we can also be recognized um, as victims of directed energy weapons, and microwave weapons, and therefore start to receive some assistance and recognition for this issue. You mentioned that someone from the U.S. House uh, Judiciary Committee uh, had reached out to you. Um, Can you tell me uh, when this happened and why and and what was discussed? Uh, Basically, this happened a couple of months ago. And this is uh, an individual that is an office. She works in the office, I believe, and the judiciary committee, um, the committee office. And uh, I was astonished. You know, I asked her what type of work she did. She and she lived in D.C. I asked her what, what she did, and she told me she worked in the judiciary committee. And I was astonished at first. So this is um, not a congressman, a congressman, or a congresswoman. This is a, a staff member. Uh, who right. works for a congressman who's on the on the judiciary, ju- judiciary committee? Exactly, and okay. Uh, but I also understand that um, it's it's rumored. I haven't. I really cannot verify this, but there are rumors that some uh, actual Congress members are victimized as well. But we've heard that all along, basically. Uh, from the very beginning, we were told that uh, there were some in Congress who were also victimized by this technology. To what extent, I'm not sure, because we haven't spoken directly to them. How readily available is this technology? Uh, I mean, if if it's just re- sort of rejigging a microwave oven, so, for example, if someone in the apartment next to you and again, a lot of this information is available online. The technology, the crude, more rudimentary uh, technology is available online. Could anybody with the means and the um, the wherewithal have access to this technology? 
or are we talking about really sort of top level, uh, you know, black ops? Well, we are talking about uh, black ops, in my opinion, and some really advanced technologies that could create just unbelievable effects on the human body. Although, at the same time, I've seen uh, on YouTube uh, videos where people uh, demonstrate that uh, you know they can take a microwave oven and create a directed energy weapon from it. Right. Uh, so that is possible for um, a layperson to create some type of a microwave weapon, just you know, from their from their uh, microwave oven. So that is possible. I mentioned that because one of the people that I interviewed for, and you may recall her name, um, she was in the, the same episode that you were in. I went to New York City. Uh, I met this woman who lived in uh, an apartment. I believe it was on the Lower East Side, if memory serves. And she it was a quite, it was a, a lovely apartment, uh, but it was rent controlled. And she believed that someone living beside her or above her or below her was targeting her. Um, they wanted her out of the apartment because they wanted a family member to move in or something like that. In other words, this was not sort of, a, you know, a, a, someone in a government agency doing this. This was someone who maybe they, they just wanted her out for personal reasons. Right. We have found that this technology has gotten into the hands of the private sector as well. And there's all kinds of agendas that are going on. Uh, people that have vendettas against an individual for one reason or another um, have access to these microwave weapons. And they're just now becoming um, uh, known to the public. Uh, we've known about them, of course, for years. But, um, but, yeah, there are those that have their own private agendas that are using this technology to cause suffering to, uh, you know, regular citizens. What about organized crime? Are they using it? Um, again, we suspect that they are. There are some members in our community that feel that they are being victimized by organized crime, the mafia, or whatever. And uh, those, uh, it seems that these criminal groups have access to this technology, um, whether it be drug rings, sex rings, um, uh, organized crime, all of those types, uh, these criminal types, um, seem to have access to this weaponry. I believe it is because of those, um, uh, the shadowy elements of our government that kind of um, are in contact with shadowy, shadowy elements of our society, and they kind of work hand in glove. So um, it's not surprising that these individuals would also have access to this technology. Uh, Derek, we're coming up uh, on the top of the hour, and we'll break when we come back. We'll open up the phone lines and take questions and comments. Hopefully, we'll hear from some uh, targeted individuals. Uh, just in the few moments before the break, let me ask you, do you have a handle on how many 
uh, North Americans, let's say. North Americans may be targeted individuals based on the data that you've collected thus far? Um, actually, we have some pretty good estimates of victims, and I would say probably in the United States, and that would be about one to two million victims. Um, one to two million? Yeah, one to, one to two million. I think that's a pretty accurate estimate. And uh, that was actually given to us by someone who was a whistleblower who presented himself to our community a couple of years ago as having worked for a security firm that was targeting individuals in the Seattle area. Uh, well, listen, listen, we'll, um, I want to talk about that individual, that whistleblower, when we come back. Uh, on the other side, uh, Derek Robinson stays with us for hour two on targeted individuals right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarratt on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Derek Robinson, the executive director of People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International, stays with us this hour as we continue to discuss electronic harassment, mind control, targeted individuals, and we'll also open up the phone lines for questions and comments this hour. And I would love to hear from people uh, who believe they are being targeted for electronic torture and surveillance. Let me give you those numbers now. In the GTA, the Greater Toronto Area, 416-360-0740. Again, in the GTA, 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. 4740. Uh, now, before we get back to Derek Robinson, a quick programming note. Next week on The Conspiracy Show, uh, Nicola Lonchar from the Tesla Science Foundation will be here for two hours discussing the remarkable work of Nikola Tesla. And uh, just a reminder to check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Conspiracy Unlimited. Listen and subscribe at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. And if you'd like to support our work here at Strange Planet, uh, please consider becoming an official donor at Patreon.com forward slash Strange Planet. All right, back to Derek Robinson, Executive Director of People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance. Uh, Before we go any further, Derek, how do people get in touch with you at PACTS? Okay, they can write to us at our email. Well, first let me give our website, which is www.pactsntl.org. That is uh, PACTS, P-A-C-T-S, N like Nancy, T like Tom, L like Larry, dot org. 
um, our uh, contact number is one eight 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 five five nine. I'm sorry, six three nine five 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 nine. That's one eight 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 six three nine five 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 nine. All right, and um, I mentioned you mentioned again that you have uh, something like is it two thousand members, and you meet how often online? Uh, we have uh, conference calls that um, that we meet on. We have conference calls on Saturday night and on Monday night, and the conference call schedule. There are other conference calls in the community, and those schedules are posted at our website. Also, need to give my. Um, our, uh, our email address, which is info at paxntl.org. Pax, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, L as in Larry. What does the NTL stand for? Uh, basically, um, our name, which is People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. Ah, okay. So the, um, the uh, NTL is the short form for international. Got it. Okay. Now, before the break at the top of the hour, uh, Derek, you were telling me about uh, detailed information you had about the the number of targeted individuals in the United States, and you said somewhere between one and two million, which is astounding. Uh, But you said that that information came to you from a reliable source, a whistleblower. Tell me more about this person. Okay. um, It was... uh the summer of 2016 was when um, a guy by the name of Brian Coffrin uh, started uh, to uh, contact certain uh, individuals in our community, and he finally uh, got around to contacting me, um, and I did an interview with him. Uh, quite fascinating, the information I felt that he provided in terms of uh, insights into how uh, people are targeted. Uh, he works for a security firm, and something I really hadn't thought of as um, a place where there is a repository of individuals that uh, target that target people. So um, there was equipment there, um, and you know, people worked uh, shifts where they uh, you know they did the torture, they did the stalking. Um, all that remotely, and so he was a witness to all of that. So we got some insights from him as far as you know how people are targeted, who is being targeted, and why. Uh, he believes that it's a social engineering um, agenda that is happening. And um, basically in the Seattle area, he believes that particularly uh, homeless men are being targeted. And there is general um, population control activities going on in certain sectors of the city. Uh, he believes that people are being bussed into Seattle for this um, this mind control experimentation that is happening and for the social control paradigm that is happening there in the Seattle area. So uh, it was quite eye-opening um, and actually, the, the interview can be found online uh, that we did with him. And uh, uh, he ran into, into some issues uh, with certain uh, people in the community, and he ended up being estranged from us 
But while he was with us, you know, he gave us some really valuable uh, insights, I felt, into the inner workings of one, one part of the targeting paradigm. So you mentioned of, that they were, sorry, you mentioned they were busing, he mentioned they were busing uh, people into the Seattle area as part of this um, experiment, if you will. What, yes. what was the purpose of busing people in? Were they taking part in the street theater? In other words, they were they were doing the harassing, or were the people being bussed in the victims? They were they were brought in as victims. Um, I believe they were being deposited at the homeless shelter that was right across the street from this uh, security firm where he worked. And they were being observed by these individuals and, and experimented on. Um, they, they were experimenting on the uh, with the technology on this uh, homeless population in Seattle. Um, they were seeing, you know, what they can, what how they can control people, uh, what they can control them with, and. Uh, you can actually see a market difference between the areas that were being targeted and those that weren't. Uh, moods were being affected, activities were being affected uh, by these technologies, and uh, it was it was quite astonishing to see this in, a, in, in action. You know, from his perspective, as he was uh, sharing with us. In your experience, Derek, do you find that people with who already have an underlying uh, mental illness uh, or who may have some sort of a, a substance abuse problem may be targeted because in the eyes of certain people, because of their mental health issue or their, their addiction, they, there is already a credibility issue. So in other words, if you target those individuals, no one's going to believe them anyway. Well, yeah, those um, mental patients, drug abusers, have always been on the forefront of human experimentation, and so it is with this program. And what do you say to people, uh, the skeptics out there, and there may be some listening, no doubt, who would say, well, perhaps Derek has some underlying mental uh, illness. Maybe he is delusional. Maybe all of these members of his group are delusional. How, what, how do you respond to what many people, no doubt, are, are thinking? Well, there's always, uh, there are always going to be skeptics, especially when you talk about new technology. Um, but uh, the, the targeters, they have... Um, they have basically selected a range of, of people to experiment with. Um, remember, this is basically a societal control paradigm. And they're looking at all sectors of society, all walks of life, the entire um, uh, human spectrum is represented in these uh, in, this, in the targeting program, from, from the rich to the very poor, um, all races and ethnicities, uh, straight, gay, um, you name it, every, every uh, demographic is represented. 
uh, and this targeting because they want to they want to ultimately control every uh, area of society. Um, so you're going to find all kinds of um, demographics in our group uh, that reflect that. So um, for those that uh, you know, and, and which includes those that have mental illnesses as well, and there's, there's a certain percentage of that actually in our community, as well as those who are mentally very, very gifted. And I believe one of the experiment, the experiments with this program is to see if they could take someone with a genius mentality and break them down to uh, someone that has no men- mental skills whatsoever. And there are some in our, in our community that have come from uh, way, way high uh, with mental acu- acuity and are struggling just to make uh, your basic, um, just trying to make it through the day. They have been so compromised um, with their mental ability. So I think that there is that experimentation going on. You know, to what extent can they take someone and alter their humanity, whatever their skills might be, into something completely different? So I see that a lot. They try to change sexuality. They try to change um, uh, personality. Um, you know, if you're, if you're straight, sometimes they try to make you gay. If you're gay, they try to make you straight. Um, it's all kinds of experimentation at various levels. And all of this is remote, all of this is hidden, and totally deniable. I would imagine also, if someone had undergone decades of uh, electronic harassment and torture and surveillance that um, unless you have an incredible will uh, even if you have an incredible will you're going to probably have some underlying mental health issues how could you not after 30 years of torture um that is true however it depends upon the extent to which you have been attacked uh, there are some that are severely, severely attacked, and you wonder how they make it from one day to the next, and they wonder as well, but they are holding up. Um, and then there's those that um, are maybe experiencing uh, some stalking and harassment issues. So there's, uh, it just depends upon how severe, you know, the, uh, the harassment is. But you're right, after, after a period of time, physically and mentally. Uh, we have a call here. Uh, Stephen is in the Parkdale neighborhood of Toronto, and he wants uh, uh, to get on here and, and, and talk to you. Go ahead, Stephen. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you. I'm just wondering how much you think maybe these are rogue agents from NSA, maybe working for something like Halliburton and implementing it uh, for like guys like Dick Cheney or whatever. All right. The National Security Agency, Derek, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the Defense Department. Do we have any idea where these perps are? Well, um, I believe it is Department of Defense. In my case, it definitely is. I was uh, at NSA when all this started. 
So I was a witness firsthand that uh, this is coming from the Department of Defense. Um, NSA is comprised of all of the military services, uh, the Navy, the Air Force, uh, Marines, and Army. Uh, they're all there. All the services are there. NSA is run by the military. So uh, there's that component. There's also uh, the CIA, I believe, is involved in the experimentation. Would this uh, all be off budget, though, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> you're not going to find a paper trail. You're not going to find a letterhead with the, the, the program on there, are you? Or is it possible that there is a declassified, there's a document somewhere waiting to be unearthed that would, that would provide a paper trail? Okay, we do have one declassified document that seems to indicate that uh, the DOD has been experimenting with voice to skull and some other mind control technologies. And this was brought forth by um, a member of our community uh, in a lawsuit, and um, he made a FOIA request, um, and actually the Army at Fort Meade declassified one of their documents called the Bioeffects of, um, uh, let's see if I can, Selected uh, Effects of um, Non-Lethal Weapon, the Bioeffects of Non-Lethal Weapon. And, uh, and within that document, they do speak of the possibility of using voices that could disturb uh, one's mentality. Um, so this, you know, th that document is basically one shining example of uh, that has been declassified that indicates that the DOD has been experimenting uh, in this area, as well as uh, the work of uh, Dr. Joseph Sharp was a psychologist at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. Uh, his work has been published, and he was actually the first one um, to successfully experiment with voice to skull. And his uh, experiments uh, with his assistant, Mark Grove, is published in a psychological trade magazine. Uh, that was back in 1975. So um, there is... Uh, evidence that the DOD has been, uh, that and also Delgado, Jose Delgado, his work. Right, uh, right. Failed. Going back to the 50s, 1950s. Right, and he, he actually wrote a book about his work, uh, Physical Control of the Human Mind, where he details his work, his experiments with remote uh, control of a human being. Um, first, he uh, started out with, with cats, and monkeys, and uh, a bull. Bulls, charging and, bulls. He could make a charging bull stop in its tracks. Right. So it was all done by uh, uh, radio frequencies. At the turn of a dial, he could produce these effects. And uh, first on han uh, animals, and then he was uh, able to also successfully do that, repeat that experiment on human beings. Uh, he was able to control them, their movements and their moods to an extent. So, uh, and he could produce all kinds of emotions from rage uh, to anxiety to fear to lust, um, you know, just, you know, happiness, a range of human emotions just by the, by the frequency he was um, projecting at someone. 
So uh, his work is well documented, and uh, this was back in the 50s he was able to do that. That was um, 60 years ago. Imagine in 60 years <laughs> what they can do now. Right. So, so you don't think it's you have this like Halliburton. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Stephen uh, jumped in again. So Halliburton, uh, he mentioned, uh, this uh, defense contractor. I'm not sure if that particular contractor is involved in our targeting. Um, there have been, uh, there is uh, one report that uh, Lockheed Martin might be involved, uh, Raytheon, uh, some of the other uh, defense uh, contractors, uh, uh, SAIC, perhaps. Um, I'm not sure, I haven't heard about Halliburton. All right, Stephen, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, someone, he, uh, him, you mentioned Raytheon. Um, I know of an entire family out on the West Coast uh, who have been targeted, and he's an ex-employee of Raytheon. All right, we'll take a quick time out, come back. And uh, take some more calls and uh, much more to discuss with Derek Robinson of Pacts International as we continue to discuss mind control, electronic harassment and targeted individuals right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Please stay with us. Big Brother is listening. And so are you. To The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are... Here's two more numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Derek Robinson stays with us, targeted individuals. He is one such, and also he is the executive director of PACTS International, People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance. And uh, let's go to the phones again. Uh, Logan is here in Toronto. Logan, good evening, good morning, and welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, hello. Logan. Are you there? Hi there. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, hello, Richard. Yes. Okay, it's William, not Logan. Okay, um, uh, I, I agree with what your guest says, and uh, with all of it, and I'd like to add a little bit more. Um uh, these are mind control experiments that Dr. Ewan Cameron was doing from 1947 to 1967 at McGill University in Montreal. Uh, there's a real good uh, Fifth Estate documentary on, on this. And um, uh, he was uh, funded uh, and financed by the CIA because they were doing the same experimentation, and he was much further ahead than they were. Well, they were using it. He was using LSD, and and uh, these were unsuspecting women who were treated at Allen Memorial Hospital in Montreal, basically, for what was uh, postpartum um, depression, 
Uh, and many of them, well, wait a minute. No, that was ostensibly what they were in there for. And they were, they had, I'm quite familiar with, with this particular chapter in history. Uh, they were, they were doused with, with LSD and, and many of them had their, their memories wiped clean and they, there were class action suits and they won. They received a court settlement. Okay. So let's go, uh, um, I interpret it differently, but let's go along with uh, what you said. Um, so the received court settlements, the courts uh, in 1970s, uh, I think, uh, ruled, in early 1970s, ruled that uh, mind experimentation is illegal and it cannot be done in any way, shape, or form. And uh, it is still being done, and uh, and uh, there's precedent cases on it. And uh, the lawyers that uh, did this case were Alan Stein lawyers from Montreal, and they still do cases uh, 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 with victims. Just last year, they got a settlement for $100,000. These people don't want to be exposed, so they'll pay up um, if you've got the uh, right lawyers in the right circumstances uh, uh, <clears throat> to get some money out of them. And I would like to add that uh, I think this is, uh, uh, it seems to me that this is uh um, demonic psychic attack, as, as usual, with technology now uh, added to to it, and I don't think there's nothing new to about it except for the technology and aspect of it, and uh, the gang stalking uh, uh, and the brown noser perps, agitators, provocateurs, whatever you want to call them. Um, there's nothing new about gang stalking either. Uh, you can read it's just, it's just uh, historically documented. You can start uh, with the Catholic Encyclopedia is a good uh, starting point. They can tell you a lot about it. All right, Logan. Let me. You may, you raise a good point. I want to. I, I just want to move along here. But thank you for the call. I want to ask uh, Derek about something you raised, and that, and that has to do with these court cases. Uh, are can you can you cite some recent um, court cases where? Uh, the um, the plaintiff has has been given a settlement, or or there have been criminal prosecutions. Um, do you have any examples of that, Derek? We have a few cases where um, our community members uh, have prevailed. Uh, Richard King, for example, in California, uh, he was able to uh, to win his case. Um, so I hear. Oh, actually, he told me that personally, directly. He had two cases. Um, one, he was suing a hospital for um, for implanting him and his, his children. And he did state to me that he, he won that case. And also, it was a case against the government that he won. Uh, Richard happens to be someone who uh, went to law school. Uh, he's not an attorney as yet, but he knew what he was doing. He knows his way around the courtroom. And, of course, that helps uh, infinitely if you're going to court, uh, if you know how to navigate the legal system. Uh, in, his, in his case, he did, and he had some attorneys that also knew what they were doing, and he prevailed. Um, he is still actually being targeted, though. Uh, just because you win a court case does not mean that you stop being targeted. It just means that you get money. Uh, and and who was who was named as the defendant in these cases? Well, in his 
private suit, uh, it was the hospital that implanted him and his children. And then there was also a suit against the government that he won. I'm not sure exactly what part of the government. Um, try, he can only tell me so much um, when I talk to him. So uh, after prevailing in court, um, sometimes it's difficult to get specific information from uh, those that win, but I was able to at least determine that he won both of his, his lawsuits. And then also I discovered that he is still trying to get free of the targeting. So um, that's one thing I learned about uh, going to court, just because you win, win the, the, uh, the lawsuit and you get money doesn't mean that your targeting will stop. That's right. Okay, I want to go to the uh, the live chat here on the YouTube stream, and we have a number of uh, questions here. Uh, uh, let's see here. Let's start with uh, Jim Sharp. Uh, he's asking, if you've been dealing with this high-tech torture for almost 40 years, how do you lead a balanced life, uh, Derek? It's a good question, Jim. Well, in my case, it's I'm doing okay. Um, the, the torture... Um, it doesn't affect me as some others who have extreme, um, uh, extreme cases of torture and electronic harassment. Um, my situation uh, consists of the stalking, for the most part, stalking and harassment, whether they, where they affect every area of your private life and try to manipulate things. Um, they, they also, I also receive the voices. And they can read my thoughts, and they can hear what I hear, see what I see. Uh, it makes uh, life a little bit complicated when you make plans, because they know what, what your plans are going to be. And sometimes they go so far as to interfere with your plan. So uh, it makes it difficult sometimes if you're planning something, uh, especially with, in a business environment and where uh, secrecy is important. So um, uh, I've been doing okay, but I've been trying to help those that have severe physical issues with very little remedy for what they're experiencing. And that's what I have been trying to, to, uh, to help. That's, those are, are the, the individuals I have been trying to help for the most part. Well, that's uh, a, a good time now then to bring up uh, Pyramid 7's question. And uh, Pyramid 7 asks... Your th what are your thoughts on counter-surveillance? So maybe now would be a good time uh, to talk about countermeasures. How can you, uh, let's say, ameliorate this, this, this harassment and torture? Okay. Um, there are some basic things that people do to get relief, and that is uh, using some really basic materials like leather, which obstructs um, the microwave weapons, uh, metallic uh, metal material uh, objects also um, offer some protection from the microwave weapons. Um, mylar offers some protection from the microwave weapons. Uh, those are basic uh, materials that will protect you for a, a certain period of time until they ramp up the targeting. 
most of the things that, that people try work for a period of time, but it seems that the, uh, the tormentors uh, always find a way around it. Um, so people are constantly having to find new ways to protect themselves from the frequencies. So it's been a challenge for some, uh, some in our community to stay comfortable. Uh, Jim, uh, let's see, who is it here? Alice. Alice is next. Alice asks, uh, why isn't the government targeting um, America's adversaries with this technology? And if they are, why aren't they affected by targeting? I'm not sure who they mean by they. In other words, are we targeting, is this being used as a weapon on foreign combatants, enemy combatants, for example? Uh, probably so. But I would have no way of knowing that. All right, we'll go back to the phones. Jim is also in Toronto. Uh, Jim, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Richard. Good to be on your show. Hi. Yeah, welcome aboard. Probably, yeah, thanks. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I just said welcome aboard. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I've been following, um, uh, I guess you're familiar, you, you did have Michael Salon, was it, on the, about the Q posts and QAnon? Yes. And back in July of the summer, um, that topic got brought up about uh, how some of these uh, shooting incidences, uh, false flag shooting incidents, have actually been uh, driven by uh, some rogue CIA operations. And they brought up the case of uh, Jared Ramos, who... Uh, Back in uh, August, he was uh, the 38-year-old uh, Laurel man who was charged with killing five people at the uh, Capitol Gazette. Right. But, uh, so what uh, Q has stated is that uh, Gina Haspel, if you look at some of the Q drops, actually they were a uh, number. They started around 1629 that Gina Haspel was recruited specifically, and she was a mission and task to... Um, to break apart these programs, and it states that in the in the Q drops. Okay, just um, because we're up against a break here, uh, Jim, let me just get Derek to respond to that. Uh, did you have any any comment on that, Derek? Before we head into the break. Okay, we do have a number of individuals that we have actually come in contact with that have interfaced with our community that were actual shooters. And um, the most well-known of those would be Aaron Alexis. This is the uh, individual that uh, shot up the Washington Navy Yard a few years ago. Um, people tend to remember that. Um, that was a case where the FBI, because of the, uh, uh, that became, you know, national headlines and people were very concerned about the, the military installation being attacked, the FBI actually got involved in that case. And I was interviewed um, because Aaron Alexis actually contacted our organization prior to his shooting. Um, he was actually asking for help. He discovered our site. At that time, it was Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. And he was looking for some assistance with his targeting. He wanted to meet some people in the area. Listen, uh, let, let's let's take a time out here quickly, Derek. We'll come back and we'll finish up on that point. This is important. Let's get back to it. All right. The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. 
you're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Uh, Derek, we were uh, talking about the um, the uh, the shooter, Ramos. Uh, in fact, he carved on his weapon, my, I think he said, my EMF weapon. He believed oh, he was being remote. Yeah, he actually carved on his rifle, uh, my ELF weapon. And uh, he decided, uh, well, he, he sought help from us at first. He wanted to contact people in the area. Uh, but he didn't, uh, he didn't want to talk over the telephone. He wanted people's addresses so that he could ma- correspond with them by mail, which, you know, I didn't feel comfortable giving out people's addresses. And so he declined further, further contact. And then two weeks later on the news, we hear that he had walked into the Washington Navy Yard and shot and killed 12 people. And he himself was killed in the ordeal. So um, there are those that uh, feel that that is the way out of this. And I believe that there is possibly manipulation going on there to bring them to that uh, self-destructive act. Uh, They're always trying to bring us to some uh, manner of self-destruction. So, yeah, I believe that that was uh, part of it. So, in other words... Uh, he wasn't necessarily being programmed to do this, but he felt this was his only way out of his torture, out of his agony and torture? Well, he, I believe that he was probably influenced to believe that that was the only way uh, out of this for him. So um, they, um, they, they're very active also subliminally, and uh, not only is the technology able to, to, uh, to send voices, but it's able to send subliminal thoughts and, and messages to an individual. Uh, just as Jose Delgado was able to project emotion and feeling, um, the technology can also do likewise. It can project um, uh, um, emotions a person, it can also set, uh, project subliminal thought. Um, the Russians had a device a few years ago called the LIDA machine that it sold to the United States. And this device also had that capability. Uh, and that's something that people can look up online. And they, um, by Russian standards, it was a crude device that was given to the United States, made available to them in the 80s. And uh, it could uh, it could hypnotize a person. It could hypnotize an entire auditorium full of people. Um, it could produce light and heat, um, as well as subliminal messages. So that was a, a rudimentary um, mind control device, and this was back in the 80s. 
And nowadays they have, obviously, much more sophisticated technology that they're using. Earlier in the program, Derek, you mentioned that a, um, a staff member on the U.S. House Judiciary Committee uh, had, had contacted you. Uh, yeah. Had this person hinted at the possibility there might be, at some point, an inquiry, uh, a, a committee meeting, uh, legislation, anything like that? Uh, that would be possible, but uh, the way Congress works is that she would need um, a number of her colleagues that would also um, be in alignment with her, as, lo as, as well as their representatives that could uh, bring legislation and somehow influence their colleagues to vote for this legislation. Uh, now, Congress has tried to address this issue actually a couple of times in the past. Dennis uh, Kucinich, uh, who was your um, congressman, I believe, was he not? Um, he was a representative for the House. He was in a different district in the Cleveland area. Ah. Was in Cincinnati. Ah. Um, but in 2001, he brought the Space-Based Weapons Act that would have, um, if it had passed, it would have actually banned the weaponry that, that is affecting us. It would have banned all these space-based uh, platforms that affect human beings on, on the Earth. So um, that uh, legislation was, was sent to committee and never saw the light of day. And the same thing happened with John Glenn's bill, which had a human, it was, it was basically the Human Protection um, Act. It would have given protections for those who felt that they were being victimized by government, um, some type of government research program that um, they felt that had gone uh, awry, um, it would have required the agencies to respond uh, to those that file complaints. It would also have given us a place where we could file complaints if we felt that we were being victimized by an agency who was experimenting upon it. Uh, that legislation also got sent to committee and never saw the light of day. So it's uh, for Congress to pass legislation like that, um, it is really going to require uh, a tremendous amount of public support because it's extremely political. The, uh, the Department of Defense lobby would be against it, and they would have huge uh, obstacles to overcome before something like that would pass. And as long right. as the public is unaware of it, as long as legislators are basically unaware of this technology and this issue, there's really not a chance. That okay, Derek, got to take a quick. We got to take a quick timeout. We'll come back and finish up with Derek Robinson. Targeted individuals on the conspiracy show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play the conspiracy show with Richard Sarrett. From Zoomer Radio, you're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. 
A few moments remain with Derek Robinson. Uh, Derek, again, for um, people out there listening who may suspect they are targeted individuals or believe sincerely that they are, how do they get in touch with People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International? Okay, there is a couple of ways. Uh, we do have a contact line, and that is one 639 We also have uh, an email address, info at PAXNTL, that is P-A-C-T-S, and like Nancy, T like Tom, L like Larry, dot org, and um, which is um, similar to our website, which is www.paxntl.org. Do any of these technologies uh, work in concert with HARP, for example? Uh, well, that is a good question. There is uh, there was suspicion of that a while back. Um, I really have not heard uh, much about HARP lately. Um, actually, that was uh, presented on uh, uh, Jesse Ventura's show. Uh, he talked about HARP and... Um, it has, uh, in its mind control capability. Um, and it is, uh, supposedly it does, it can target an individual as well as, um, groups of individuals and, and people over wide geographical areas. Reportedly, uh, they are denying that HARP, the, uh, the people that work there are denying that they are, uh, that HARP has mind control capabilities at all, but, um, so that is a that is a matter of debate in our community, and um, so supposedly, if you were to talk to um, not Nick Bagage, he's written a couple of books about HARP, and he can explain to you exactly how the technology works. And he believes that uh, HARP is targeting um, you know um, our population in the United States as well as. Uh, other uh, portions of the world with uh, the 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 uh, the frequencies that it sends up there. Um, whether that is that is true, I cannot say for sure myself, but uh, it's possible. And how about chemtrails? How do you how does your membership feel uh, about the the influence of chemtrails? Okay, that is also controversial in our community, um, and there are some that are affected by the chemtrails um, that have contracted uh, Morgellons disease that they feel is directly related uh, to the chemtrails. Um, and there's actually some remedies around uh, for those that have Morgellons. Uh, it's, it's a real... Uh, insidious disease that um, that people have really suffered with, but um, fortunately, some people have actually been able to deal with that effectively. The McGellans that has resulted from the chemtrail. Um, I think ultimately, if this continues, I mean the the the, um, uh, the residue from the chemtrails, of course, lands on everything. You know, the, uh, it's in the air, the water, uh, the food supply, everything. So it, is, it affects all of humanity and all of uh, animal and plant life. So this is an issue that's 
that ultimately the society is really going to have to deal with because uh, there, there are health uh, consequences that are, have resulted from this. So I hope that that is addressed. Um, uh, Derek, you mentioned that by, according to this whistleblower, somewhere between one and two million Americans uh, are being targeted. I mean, are there are there plans? Do you know? Do you suspect of ramping this up so that at some point we'll wake up and we'll all be targeted individuals? I believe that is the agenda. That is the intention of the agenda. Um, well, even though um, I mean, my my feeling about that is that even though that is that is the intention, I do not necessarily feel that that will actually happen. And why is that? Um, mainly because uh, people are becoming more aware, and that at some point there will be intervention and it will be stopped. Well, that sounds like some good news, finally. So often uh, when I speak about electronic harassment and mind control, uh, it's, it's not a rosy outlook. But you were saying... I think you mentioned earlier, within the next couple of years, there will be some type of intervention. What what form would that intervention take? Would there be, uh, would there be a, um, I don't know, some some piece of legislation? How is that going to, how is this going to be stopped? Well, with widespread widespread public awareness, you know, if people realize what's at stake for them. I believe that uh, cities, that states, that even Congress will act to defend not only our group, but uh, their own lives. I mean, they are, they are at risk. And as I stated, there are some even in Congress who are victims of this technology. But there's not a lot that, that even congressional representatives can do, not by themselves. Uh, for them to pass legislation, they're going to need the support of their colleagues, many of their colleagues. And right now, it's not political enough to, uh, to pass Congress, so they, they're just silent at the moment. But if the public becomes aware, and they are becoming aware, and if this becomes a national issue, which I believe is entirely possible very soon, then this would change the dynamic of our targeting and of this issue. I think that there will be solutions at that at that time. Do you have um, anyone in law enforcement that's a member of of your organization? Um, there are some that um, are law enforcement, former law enforcement that um, are working with us. Yeah. And and do they believe that they were targeted or are being targeted as well? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, just because they are members of law enforcement doesn't mean that they can stop this this uh, this uh, the targeting from happening. I think the real uh, what's really stopping uh, this issue from being addressed is there really is not legislation on the books that specifically addresses it. So law enforcement has discretion, basically, to decide whether or not they'll help someone that is targeted. 
And even if they decide that they want to help them, there's only so much that they can do because they don't have the legal underpinning to arrest somebody for microwave harassment. The laws aren't there. Uh, who can you direct them to uh, if if they want their their environment, their home, what have you, shielded uh, to to reduce the the harassment and the electronic uh, surveillance and so forth? I mean, we're all many of us are familiar with Roger Tolsis from uh, the Los Angeles area, Bug Sweep. He's very prominent, but obviously, you know, Roger can't fly all over the place. Uh, do you have resources available to people that you can direct them uh, to to someone who can provide countermeasures? Okay, that is that is a tricky question. Um, there are a number of individuals um, that make that claim. How effective they are is is something else. Um, and we have actually been in search of those. Uh, who would have effective countermeasures. Um, lately, our group has been dealing with someone in Chicago. His name is Ed Lasinski, and he was actually featured um, in one of the um, uh, television shows lately called Legend Hunter. Uh, they did a segment, uh, they did an episode on mind control, and he was featured. And he is someone that, um, that some people in our community have um, have went to uh, have uh, um, they've gone to him in the past for uh, for uh, for microwave harassment and there has been uh, mixed results with his services uh, so we're kind of in in search of those that can really effectively um, deal with the frequencies and free people from their suffering. Um, that is still a question mark as to who can effectively uh, do that for our community. We're still in search of someone that can definitively do that. All right. Well, Derek, uh, are there any conferences where um, targeted individuals can go and gather and, and meet other targeted individuals sort of face-to-face, -face, or is it all done online for the most part? Um, we do have conferences um, occasionally. Uh, we hope to have a conference this year uh, in the Los Angeles area. Uh, most of our um, meetings have been uh, via conference call. Um, although we do have support groups in some cities where they have uh, where they do meet face to face, and those are very good opportunities for networking and support uh, for those in uh, Seattle is one area where there's a good uh, support group there, also in Portland or in Oregon. Uh, I guess if, they, if people should check the website um, for up, upcoming right. conferences and more news, please uh, quickly give us the website again. It's PAXNCL.org, P-A-C-T-S-N-C-L.org is our website. PaxNTL.org. Derek, thank you so much for hanging out for two hours. Okay, thank you, Richard. Derek Robinson. My thanks to Ian, Ryan, and Albert. Back next week, we'll do two hours on Nikola Tesla. 
until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.